Joining me on the program today is Danielle McCarthy. Danielle is the Director of Mind Potential Psychology, a, uh, a psychology practice from the Sunshine Coast um, in, uh, in Queensland. Danielle, welcome to the program. Thanks, Wayne. It's good to be here. Now, Danielle, the Sunshine Coast is a long strip of beach. Whereabouts are you exactly? Yeah, so we're in a place called Batinia. Um, it's in a, the Kawana area, so it's it's just in between Maroochydore and Kalanja. We're kind of smack bang in the middle. Those names just sound terrible to me as someone who doesn't live in that part of the world because all I can think of is bronzed surfers and cold beer. Um, must be a lovely place to live. Beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful, sunny, warm weather the majority of the time. And we're right near the beach, so what more could you ask for? That's true. Now, Danielle, you're a director of Mind Potential Psychology. Mm-hmm. Give us a quick thumbnail sketch of what's the average day like at Mind Potential Psychology? Mm-hmm. Who are you seeing and, and how do they come to be there? Yeah, so the average day is that we have a practice that opens anywhere from 7.30, 8 o'clock a.m. around that time and goes through to about 6, 6.30 p.m. at night. Um, and you know, we basically open the doors. We've got six offices and we have clients coming in with whatever their concerns are, which can be um, anywhere from anxiety, depression or trauma or uh, chronic pain. So we um, work with clients with a wide range of different concerns. Now, I was having a look on Google Mm -hmm. at what people type in when they're looking at psychologists, Mm -hmm. and one of the questions is bulk billing. So can you talk us through what you do with with funding there? Yeah, of course. Um, So the majority of our clients come in under what's called a mental health care plan, and that is a referral from the GP, GP, and that allows them up to 10 sessions in a calendar year where they get a Medicare rebate. So um, that Medicare rebate will vary depending on whether you're seeing a general psychologist or a clinical psychologist. Um, And then there is typically what we call a gap fee. So you pay, say, a a certain amount of money and you get your rebate and you might be out of pocket, say, $50 or $60. If you've got a concession card, you might be out of pocket $20 or $30. Bulk billing is where you don't actually have that gap fee. So right. um, you don't actually make a payment. So it's covered by the full cost is covered by Medicare. Um, we, we do have a small um, population where we agree to bulk bill them when there is significant financial hardship, but it's definitely not um, our, what we do a lot. And the reason being is that um, we, I guess um, there's the many reasons. One, we do find it is, a lot more beneficial for clients when they show up. And if there is um, an out-of-pocket payment, and no matter how small it is, we just do find that the commitment of those clients tends to be greater in terms of showing up to their appointments, doing the in-between session practice, so all the homework tasks, whatever you want to call them, tend to commit to those a lot more, um, and they tend to commit to their treatment a lot more and therefore get better outcomes. So that's why we're a bit reluctant reluctant to bulk bill. And then, of course, there's just the very fact that, like, um, we, you know, as a practice, there's a lot of costs that go into running a practice. And the psychologists obviously have a lot of costs in their lives as well to cover. And um, this is their job. And they need to, at the end of the day, be able to put um, bread and butter on the table for their family, what at home. So, um, yeah, we just can't always 
even afford to be a bulk billing practice because we just wouldn't cover costs and be able to run it all. So to be able to run and be open and be able to treat clients and help them out, we there, there is a gap fee for the majority. Danielle, it does sound like the fee is very, very predictable though. So I'm, yeah. I'm just putting words in your mouth here. I'm assuming for anyone who's concerned about costs, they can just come along and, and have a conversation and find out exactly what it's going to cost before they commit. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. So there's a the standard fee, there's a concession fee for people who um, have a healthcare card or a concession card from Centrelink. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's very predictable. There's basically only a couple of fees that they may get charged and, and it's really not an exceptional amount of money. Um, so it is really affordable because of that Medicare rebate, which covers, you know, the majority of the session, actually, they're not out of pocket a whole amount. So Medicare does do a great job in covering most of the cost. Now, I heard you mention earlier ordinary psychologists and clinical psychologists. Clinical psychologists and clinical psychologists, yeah. Now, being an inquisitive animal like I am, tell me the difference. Yeah, you know, I, I guess the difference is really um, that the clinical psychologist has gotten additional supervised training in cl uh, clinical presentations and mental illnesses um, versus the general psychologist. So um, take a, a clinical psychologist has either done their master's or a doctorate level training at university and then they've gone on to have to do additional supervised practice whereby they have to get regular supervised uh, supervision of a trained uh, psychologist um, for a set period of time before they can be um, classified as a clinical psychologist. Um, where a general psychologist might not have had that additional training. Um, so through Medicare, Medicare's got a two-tier system and it's actually, um, there's a, a lot of debate around it, but I'll just actually give you the facts. So because of the two-tier system, it means that Medicare recognised clinical psychologists as having additional training and have a higher Medicare rebate as a result. Hmm. And, and uh, from, a, from a client's point of view, I guess it doesn't matter because um, the decision about supervision or unsupervised rest with you at the practice level and it's all going to be fine whoever's dealing with you yeah and i guess the um in the at my potential psychology i value every single psychologist who works in this practice and i have there's a mixture of general psychologists and clinical psychologists and in my eyes they're all exceptional psychologists yes. um, i've got an amazing team of people who work here um, and so who, who do an amazing job um, and have had many years um, practicing. And so I, with the fees, when it comes to the fees, the actual gap fee is kept the same because in my eyes, they do an equally amazing job in treating them and they're, you know, very good at what they do, whether they're termed, deemed to be a general psychologist or a clinical psychologist. So the fee here is the same for both. Now, Danielle, clients who are coming to you, um, you mentioned a lot of them come with, with a plan as a GP referral, but I understand people can just walk in the door as well. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so maybe 60 to 70% of our clients come in through a GP referral, and then um, we have other clients who we call them private clients, and they can just uh, call up and walk through the door, and they may have private, be covered by private health and have some of their session paid for by that, or some of them don't have that private health and they just pay out of pocket. 
So we have, yeah, we can see them. You don't have to have a referral from a GP. It's just commonly done because that's um, the GP might be the person who picks up on the mental health difficulties um, and they might be the first point of call for that person who then directs them to us. Now, at the risk of being controversial, what about parents and partners who are concerned about someone's mental health? Should they come along and have a, a chat to someone there about what's going on? How does that work? Yep. So, of course, you know, of course, they can come along and talk, and that would be they would be the client, and they would um, work with the psychologist, I guess, on strategies to how to maybe best manage the situation with their loved one. Um, under Medicare, like through a GP from a referral, they wouldn't be able to get a referral under a mental health care plan because they're not the person. You have to have a diagnosable mental health concern to be able to get a mental health care plan. They can certainly come in privately and chat to the psychologist. And we do, you know, we, we do have clients who um, may be struggling or have an issue with one of the, uh, the relationships in their life and they are themselves the client and come in and the work would be around helping them with that and help them navigate that. Yeah, I, I can certainly see that uh, um, uh, if you've got um, perhaps older dependent children or even independent children, <laughs> if you suspect that they've got an issue, it can be very lonely without someone to talk to about how do you how do you progress this, how do you approach it, how do you move forward. That's it. And there may be really effective coping strategies for how to best help that person or um you know, uh, work with that person. So um, there might be things that the actual, you know, the client that we see can actually do and ways of communication or being with that person that can still really assist, even though it's not the person themselves coming in to see us for treatment. And you don't think shouting would be the ideal solution? That's just my parenting coming out mm. in me. I think that we're all guilty for reverting, for um, going down that road at times, but... Uh, generally, that's not what we would recommend, no. <laughs> but hey, guilty is charged at times. <laughs> and see, my children are 35, so, you know, I really can't claim the terrible twos as a defence here. <laughs> yeah, <Danielle. okay. laughs> In addition to the obvious things like depression and, uh, and, you know, maybe sleeplessness and anxiety, what are the other common presentations that people make? Yeah, yep. So we have um, a number of clients who might be experiencing chronic pain. Um, we have um, some with some kind of trauma. Um, and then along with the, within the anxiety, you've got a wide range of different concerns. So you can have anywhere from a specific phobia, say somebody who's, um, you know, got a phobia of spiders and won't leave the house as a result um, to social anxiety where they, you know, um, become extremely anxious in social situations to um, even um, generalised anxiety where they just worry about anything and everything. So the anxiety can be broken down into a number of different concerns um, and as well as obsessive compulsive disorder as well. So we have clients with that as well. Common, we have a few with, um, say, body image concerns or eating issues. Um, and then with the children, we'll get things like behavioural concerns from the parents. Um, we work with children with ASD. Um, we have ones at some children with emotional if, um, issues. You get a lot of substance abuse um, uh, clients? 
we get a few, not a, not a lot, but we certainly see those clients and we have a couple of psychologists who work with that population right. um, and those concerns. Yeah. So, but that, that's um, not a, as common a presentation as some of the other ones. Danielle, it's been lovely having a chat with you today. I do appreciate you making yourself available. That's okay. Thanks, Wayne.